And here's what Teddy said to them, and I'm sorry, it's not fitting exactly right, but Teddy said, it's not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs, who comes short again and again, because there's no effort without error and shortcoming, but who does actually strive to do the deeds, who knows great enthusiasms, the great devotions, who spends himself in a worthy cause, who at the best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement, and who at the worst, if he fails, at least fails while daring greatly. So that his place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who neither know victory nor defeat. And doesn't that make you just want to... Um, the arena. He's saying the powerful thing is to, to not have sat on the side, but have gone in there and taken the risk and tried for victory or tried to be, you know, rather than sit on the sidelines critiquing those who do. Now, one of the reasons I'm proud of this church is I feel like we went into the arena. <laughs> you know, we are, man, we're in the arena, and sit timidly on the side, waiting for circumstances to dictate our destiny. You know, and I, I, I say the joke, but I say it real. You know, we do went to the arena, and that is something to be proud. Of. And uh, and to me, though, I don't like the arena analogy to a point. I prefer an adventure analogy because the arena is too contained. We've really launched out on an adventure where you don't know where the and you know the arena is a sense of you go in there, you fight, you come out, and you're in the same spot. In a sense. You know, we've gone on an adventure. And that's exciting. And I, I believe it's not just what we've done for, you know, as a church, but I believe God actually invites all of us onto an adventure. But that's actually intrinsic to our following Jesus, is to be willing to go out on this great adventure with God. And it's an adventure, you know, you might say, well, I'm not a person I like Teddy Roosevelt. I'm all these big, you know, I'll go there and fight. But I think that's actually in some ways an imposter for the kind of event, really adventure God's calling us to. Because our the adventure we go on is because of this firm confidence in the promises of God and of God's great work in this world. That he is there and he is for us. Who can be against us? That he will never leave us nor forsake us. And that he has, he's given us gifts and is calling us to use them in a powerful way. That God is doing amazing things and he's taking us along with him. And our confidence is not in our own, you know, strength, or our own, you know, cleverness of speech, or our own ability to make things happen. But our confidence lies solely in God. You know, as, as I love what uh, William Carey said, expect great things from God, attempt great things for God. Expect great things from God, attempt great things for God. And that is the adventure I think God calls us all on. It's a radical adventure, an adventure that has this confidence that actually nothing can harm us in some ways. If God is with us, then we can go in incredible boldness and take great risks, fall, and it's all right. So I'm going to talk about that invitation to adventure today. And we're going to do it by centering on the text which uh, 
Bob read from Exodus 3, which to me is one of the greatest invitations to adventure anywhere in scriptures. God's invitation to Moses to be part of this great adventure. And I think as we look at this text too, we understand some great principles as to the nature of the adventure God is calling each one of us to. Not only to the adventure, but also some of the things that pull us back from taking that adventure. And then I want to talk a little bit after that into some of the things the adventure is not. I think sometimes we have wrong understandings as to what he is, that, that, what that great adventure is, and then finally what it is. So first, the invitation to adventure from Exodus chapter 3. This is one of the uh, uh, really tremendous, famous chapters of Scripture. This is the great call from the burning bush. You know, this is where you know, God, you know, Moses goes to the mountain of God, and he encounters a bush that's burning without being consumed. And a voice comes out of it, and it's the Lord saying, you know, take off your sandals, you're on holy ground. And then he speaks to Moses. But he speaks to Moses not actually about Moses. He speaks to him about Israel. He says, you know, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And Moses hides his face. But the Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying because of their slave drivers. I'm concerned about their son. He says, basically, Moses, I have seen the horror of Israel and slavery and bondage under Pharaoh and how they're suffering. And far from being indifferent to their suffering, because sometimes we think, when the suffering God, where are you when all this horrible stuff's happening? That word, by the way, concern, is a powerful, powerful word. It's not the word concern. Um, it's, I'm concerned about their suffering. It's the word know. I know their suffering. And the know in the Hebrew is not a knowing in the sense of, I have a certain amount of knowledge. It's a euphemism for sex in Scripture. You know, it's the, it's know is an intimate sense. I know they're suffering. I'm alongside, but I understand they're suffering. I intimately am aware of. And he says, and I have come down now to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians. And to bring them up out of the land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey. So now go and I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. So God says, and I am delivering them. I am directing them from bondage. And I am taking them, as I promised Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, into the promised land. Out of bondage, God is doing this amazing work. And essentially, he says to Moses, I am going to use you to do it. You are part of this journey going along. You know, God, God basically is the one who's doing this great work, right? God is delivering Israel into the promised land, out from the bondage of the Egyptians. And Moses is going to be his instrument through which he does it. And it's really not just Moses, right? Who else is coming along for the ride? All of Israel. All of Israel is going to be part of what God is doing. Right? Because each, each individual had a choice not to go, right? They didn't have to leave. They could have stayed in Egypt. They could have not, you know, gone, taken the Passover lamb. They could have not obeyed him or followed him or gone out. Now, why is this important? Because I think a lot of people, when you think about the great adventure, you're thinking that um, it's really something Moses came up with, right? Oops, that's a good one. That we think that, um, uh, i got to explain this, I did it earlier than I wanted to do it. Uh, but, but the basic idea is that it's not Moses' idea, right? This is not something Moses is doing which God is helping him to do. I think sometimes we think that God, our faith, we go, I'm going to do this amazing thing, and because God is with me, he will basically do my will. You know, I'll pray, God will say, right? I have the idea, I have what I want, and God, you're going to make it happen. That's not the Lord's Prayer, by the way, that says, my will be done. 
You know, and it's not what I want to have happen. It's not how I see the world as it should be and God empowering me to make that world happen. It's saying God is doing this great thing. Right? God is doing, God is delivering Israel, but he's using Moses for whom to do it. And this is really important because that's how God works everything, right? This is the entire way in which God does anything. You know, when God wants to feed the hungry, what does he do? He doesn't tend to rain food out. He raises the people through whom they're fed. When God wants to deliver people, you know, when God wants to abolish slavery, he raised a people from whom? You know, he, he spoke through William Wilberforce and Frederick Douglass and Harriet Beecher Stowe and countless others. God delivered that and abolished that through them. You know, God created the world in Genesis, right? He then says, to, you know, uh, through the man and the woman are the ones who will rule the actual earth. Who's ruling? God's ruling it. Who does he want to rule through? His regents, the people. That's how God works. When God wants to do anything, he uses us to do it. You see, that's the heart of the adventure that God's calling us on. God is at work. God is doing things. Will you come alongside and be part of what he's doing? That's the great adventure. Now, oh, what should our response be to that? Wow. What an honor. What a privilege. Now, was that Moses' response? Remember the text of Eagle? Man, yes, God. That's fantastic. <laughs> No, it was not his response. He said, you know, go, I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people to, you know, the Israelites out of Egypt. And it says, but Moses said to God, well, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? It's like Moses was saying, listen, I was totally with you earlier, right? Israel's suffering, you're going to deliver them, yeah! And I'm going to send you, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> you know, duh. Not, not sure that's a great idea, okay? You know, uh, who am I? You know, uh, that I should go to Pharaoh? Like, I'm going to go to Pharaoh. Right? And I'm going to say, bring uh, God, God's bringing Israel out of Egypt, and so you got to let them go. That's a great job. I'm sure that was, you know, that was awesome. Yeah. I, and I like the Lord's response to him, because he says, you know, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out? God just said basically to him, I'm with you. Um, and this will be the sign you I've sent you, which is, this is not a terribly helpful sign. When you've brought the people out of Egypt, you'll worship God on this mountain. Now, why is that not a terribly helpful sign? Because it's after the fact. You know, yeah, you're going to see, it's going to be amazing. You're going to be out there, you're going to be on this mountain, and they're going to be praising God, you know, praising me, worshiping me, and you're going to go, wow, God did do that. God did this, and you'll see it, that, that this is exactly, I sent you to do it, and you're going to stand right there. And he's going, yeah, that's like, you know, Kind of like, I need a little more assurance now. But really when he's saying, I'm with you, he's actually affirming the fact that Moses can't do it. Right? When Moses says, who am I to do it? He's basically saying, you're right. Who are you? You don't have the power to do this. Who are you to think that you could You could walk up to Pharaoh, convince him, and take all Israel out? You're right, you can't. But I'm with you. And I can't. I was thinking this is almost like you know, when you tell somebody to, to go to the bully and, you know, some some you know, some kid gets bullied from someone in school and you're saying you need to go back to him. He's like, I can't go back to that guy. And then you go, yeah, the big edge. You know, big edge like elbow. <laughs> and then what does that old guy go to me? He's like, yeah, I think I can go up to him because I got big edge behind me. And that bully's going to suddenly run. 
And somebody got saying, you got big heads. Don't you worry. You know, you go up to it. And uh, it's, it's, it's a strange analogy. But, you know, I think God wants us to feel like we got big head behind us at all times. You know, and that, all that little fairy thing, when you're by yourself, you're not by yourself. But he's right there. Now, Moses didn't entirely buy the big head argument either. So I'm feel bad if you don't. Because he kind of responds back to him and says, uh, okay, well, 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 suppose I go to the Israelites and I say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me, and they ask me, what's his name? He says, well, I think they're going to have questions. Okay. I'm going to go to them and say, hey, guys, I'm back. Remember, I used to be here. I've been gone for 40 years out in the wilderness. I kind of ran and uh, escaped, and now I'm back. And by the way, God says, you're all going to be delivered now. I think they're going to have questions. You know, so, so who is it who sent you? You know, and he's going to say, "Well, yeah, um, just tell them I am, I am who I am." That's what you're going to say to him. I am has sent me to you. I'm sure that was really helpful. <laughs> you know, imagine this is like I, you know, I don't see it. I don't see it. And God's telling him, "Listen, you know, the elders of Israel will listen to you." Pretty amazing story. You know, they'll listen to you. But by the way, um, the king of Egypt won't. <laughs> so I'm gonna be, I'm gonna go there. I'm gonna say this all to him, and he's not gonna listen to us. And as you know, it even got worse than that, right? Not only did he not listen to him, but he then oppressed them even greater. That because Moses' call from God to go to Pharaoh to tell him something he would never accept, the suffering became worse on the Israelites as a result. And as a result, then the Israelites then complained to who? To Moses and said, what are you doing? You stop doing this. Don't you understand you're now the reason for our suffering? But really, he was being called by God to go on that journey to take, to lead Israel out on this adventure. Like, he was part of what God was doing, but it wasn't exactly a smooth thing. And it wasn't without doubt, it wasn't without struggle, it wasn't without suffering, it was without great deal. Now, in the midst of this conversation, though, but Moses gave him some assurances, right? He said, um, um, he said, I'll, I'll actually give you a sign, right? You ever see this billboard, by the way? Well, he did ask for a sign. <laughs> God, that would have been great. That was like down in Florida. I think we should totally get one of those up here. <laughs> and you remember, Moses asked for a sign, and he said, and he, uh, you know, gave him a uh, you know, the snake that turned to staff, and he gave him water that turned to blood, and he gave him a hand inside. So a few different signs. And I, I think it raised the question for us, does God give you a sign? Are you right to ask for a sign? Say, if God, you feel like God's taking you on a big adventure, wants me to you know, make great sacrifices and difficulties, should God give us a sign? I think the answer is uh, yes and no. A good answer? I mean, there's an aspect where God doesn't owe you some big sign, right? It's your real will, he's sending you, he's not to do anything, or you're saying, God, make, I want to see something like that. I don't think that's, you know, I don't think you need that, and that God promises that. Yet, at the same time, I do believe God does stuff. God wants you to know he's calling you to something. He, you know, he wants to give you what you need for the assurance that's in. And in three of us, that's different, right? Like, sign comes in all types of ways. But I think God's not trying to make you, like, blow it sitting by the side going, I want him to wonder, I want him to wonder. He just wants us to see. 
right? This one is a secret, but I think God wants you to know in confidence. I had a crazy thing happen, which is not what should normally happen on this week on Wednesday. I was in that, that's when I go to the hot, you know, substance abuse unit, I do that spirituality group there. And uh, one lady there, a young woman, she said, uh, she tells everyone in the group, you can't believe what happened to me this week. And she shows this picture, and it's her car. And it was just, I mean, it went roll. She was inside of it, just totally smashed. And she goes, and look at me, nothing happened She goes, I was inside the car, it smashed. And as, as soon as I got out of the car, someone from across the street ran up to me and said, as soon as I saw your car start to swerve, I, was, I began praying for you. And I prayed that God would protect you and keep you. And even as you landed, I prayed across you know, your body that it wouldn't be harmed. And then she says, she said that happened, and she goes, and I, right then I remembered that last week, you said God would show me a sign this week. <laughs> and I'm like, I didn't say that. <laughs> but I, I used the Holy Spirit as a translator. I just kind of accept the translation that happened. But that's what she took from it. But the point was, and she goes, and what are the chances of this whole thing happens? I climb out of the car, and someone comes up to me and says, God did it. <laughs> And she's like, Ugh. but the interesting thing about a sign, then, is still the question is, what will she do? It's funny, this, like, that's, that's the problem with the sign thing, because then, okay, well, now what are you going to do about it? And really, Moses, you'd think that Moses automatically would have said, oh, with the sign of the snake, that that's it, I'm good, right? He did, right? When he go initially, he goes back to him and said, well, I, actually, Lord, I, I've never been eloquent, and neither in the past nor since uh, you have spoken to your servant. I'm slow of speech and tongue. I can't do it. You, Lord, you don't understand my gift then. Okay, let me just explain to you. This is not, you know, not my gift. That's not what I'm good at. You know, I have limitations. And the Lord's response was, uh, who gives man his mouth? Who makes him deaf or mute? Who gives him sight? Who makes him blind? Is it not I, the Lord? You see, God, listen, I'm the one who made you. I know what you're able to do. If I'm asking you to do something, you can do it. If God is calling you to do something, you have what it takes in a way which you probably don't even know yet. And Moses then responds. Now he says, now go, I'll help you speak. We'll teach you what to say. But Moses says, oh, Lord, please send someone else to do it. This is one of my life verses. <laughs> All that stuff, he sees snake, he sees water turned to blood, he's in the hand like this. And, you know, Lord speaks to him out of a burning bush, and he's like, send someone else. <laughs> All that to say, if you feel reluctance to go on an adventure with God, you are in very good company. Johnny Moses is a pretty good guy. Considered one of the great models of faith, right? Moses was pretty darn reluctant. That's great. Please send someone else. That's really how we are sometimes. Like, we don't disagree with what God's doing. Yes, deliver them out of the land of Egypt. Deliver them out. Go to this amazing, do this amazing thing, God. But just, you know, can't you use other folks to be the instruments? God says, no, I want you to be my instrument. And Moses had the opportunity to not accept that calling, didn't he? He didn't have to go. And you wouldn't blame him for it, right? I mean, if you're, Mo if you're Moses, right, you're thinking, I actually did this whole thing 40 years ago. 
right? I, I grew up in, in the, the palace of Egypt, right? I was a prince of Egypt. And then I did my adventure, right? I stood up to that Egyptian taskmaster who was beating the Israelites leg. I stood up to that. And what did I get for that? Okay, I ran for my life. And they were coming after me, and I went from the, the palace of Pharaoh to by myself out in the wilderness. I gave up everything. And then finally, my life's together now. I found a, a wife, I have kids, I've got a great father-in-law, Jethro. I'm a shepherd. Life's good. I wouldn't blame him for that. But God's saying, leave it all. I've got an adventure to take you. But really what he's telling us, he's, he's asking, not asking this really, and I think God's not asking us to really sacrifice. He's asking us to, what seems like a great sacrifice, but it's not a real sacrifice because it's going to do something amazing. I think of it as, you know, God's asking you to leave the mud hut to go to the castle. But oftentimes we're like, I like my mud hut. It's good, you know, it's shelter, it's got a bed. It's been good for me. And God's saying, leave it. Because one problem is, is there's an arena adventure, right? The idea of going on an adventure is there is no circling back. The adventure is not a track thing like this where you circle back to the mud hut. You leave the mud hut, you go out to the mud hut. And there is no returning. The adventure takes you out that way, to uncharted territory. That's what he calls us to. And God says, I have a castle for you. Will you come with me? That's the real question, isn't it, for us? Will we go on the adventure with God? Will we, do we believe he has a castle for us? Do we believe he will be with us? Do we believe God is doing things in the world? Do you believe that God can use you to do it? That you can be a part of it? Now you might be saying, you know, as I think of some things it's not, you know, you might be saying, well, that's the kind of thing other people do. It's not my personality. I know folks like that. You know, folks who just like, yeah, let's go. Woo, boom. That's not what he's calling us to be. All right? You know, that's like, again, it's like an imposter. It's, it, there's, God is calling each of us into this radical thing of, of wanting to trust him, of wanting to believe he has something for us. You know, to, uh, to just... Just to, in some way, the joy of following him, the abandon of doing that, the, 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 the no to your fears. You might say, well, this, this is me, I'm leaving my job, for instance, that I should leave my job. I, I say, I don't know, maybe. But certainly not um, that you have to. I mean, gosh, God invited slaves in the New Testament, right, onto the adventure of God. But they certainly couldn't leave their job, right? They couldn't leave their station. But he said, you're going to this radical new life. You're going to live this life which says, this person who the whole world says has all the power over you, you're not going to believe he has any power over you. That he actually can't touch you. And even as you do the things he says, you're not even serving him, you're serving your master in heaven. And that's the only one to whom you're answering. You're to live this radically subversive life in the midst of what everyone else looks at as slavery. And if you get, if you get free, that's great. But you don't even need to be free to go on that adventure. Do you know the word even vocations? The word, where's the word vocation comes from, right? Heaven's like, I know. It's the Latin, right? For calling. 
That your even your your work you do should be a calling from God. It can be an adventure you're going on. Reworking the way you think what you're doing and what you're saying. Do, do you see your work as being a labor of mission? Actually, some years ago, we had a, this great uh, class that Ellen led about everyone building a mission statement that understands your job in terms of what, how are you serving God in the midst of that? What, how are you carrying out those purposes? You know, one, I remember Tim gets up there as a, a person who deals with end-of-life issues as a lawyer helping folks deal with that. And he saw it as his calling from God. And, and plus, you would see that it then radically impacted the way he carried it out. You know, another doctor doing that, or you were like, how am I a social work teacher? How do I understand that? I remember helps as well. You know, but all of us should have a sense of calling in our life. You know, we need to see that God is at work in our workplaces, in our homes, in our communities. How am I coming alongside what he is doing in those places? Because one of the key ideas is that God, right, God uses us to accomplish his purposes in the world, but he doesn't actually need us, Right? He does it because he wants to. It's because he's making us all into little Jesuses. And this is one of the ways in which he changes us. As we go on adventure with God, we begin to see the world the way God sees it. Care about the things he cares about. Cry about the things he cries about. We get to see, we get to knock down our limits and see, wow, I can do things I've never thought possible. When we go on that adventure, we see these things. That's part of that falling down, right? And, and lastly, it, not lastly, but it, it, it also crushes your fears, doesn't it, when you go on adventure? Fears stop you from doing so many things. It's like, the, I think fear is like the Wizard of Oz, right? You think the wizard has so much power, and the wizard has, you know, he controls me, his big voice, but the minute you get to Oz, you see that, you look behind the curtain, and you see it's just a little man with a microphone. I think oftentimes fear is just that little guy in the microphone behind that thing. But man, from outside of it, it just feels so loud and so deafening. And it just keeps you like this. And going on that adventure is one of the ways in which you rip that curtain down and you're like, you're not. You're just a little voice over here. You know, going on adventure is not some promise that everything's going to go easy or going to go well. You're not going to have hardship. Jump and stumble and fall. Actually, in many ways, it's the opposite. The promise of God is not that you won't stumble and fall, that you won't blow or you won't fail, but that that is not who you are, that you will be picked up. That that's not the end. That's a right. That, you see the crazy thing about a promise? When you run, it's not a promise that you won't fall, but that when you fall, you can get up again. And God will get you up. Therefore, you need not fear falling. It's not a promise that you won't have your heart broken. It's that there is a healer who can heal your heart, who will bind up the broken heart. So therefore, in many ways, you can make yourself radically vulnerable and let yourself be hurt because you believe in a healer. You see, it almost makes you, in, in, you know, uh, incomparable. It's not a promise you won't lose your job. It's the promise that you will have what you need if you do. It's not a promise you'll get all those promotions and have all the money you want. You will have exactly what you need to carry out what God's calling you to. It's not a promise as a church that you're going to have a building. It's a promise that you don't need one. It's a promise that I will be with you. At 
we, that you are the church of Jesus Christ and the gates of hell shall not prevail. Period. That is the radical promise. And I am with you. And the invitation to us, will we go on our adventure with God? Will we follow him? Will we not let fear tie us down? Will we not let our views and our will of what should happen in the world stop us? And we say, God, I want to be what you have. I want to listen for that calling, and I want to step out in courageous faith to whatever it is you have us to do. Will you go on an adventure? Do the promise line. I uh, preach and talk about the great adventure, I confess, Lord, so many times I'm unwilling. And I, uh, I love my mud hut too much. And I, I fear what life will be like without my mud hut. Oh, Lord, let us believe great things of you and attempt great things for you. Let us be willing to go on the adventure and watch what you can do. Lord, give us confidence and trust, even amidst our, our fear and failings. I think of Moses bringing all his failings to you. Oh, Lord, let us be honest with you. Help us to hear your voice speaking to us amidst our own fears. Thank you, Lord, for the adventure you brought this church on. Thank you for this group that was willing to go and just stand. Oh, Lord, and we believe amazing things for you. We will lack no good thing to follow you. And we long to see what you'll do in our lives collectively and individually on the adventures you have for each one of us. We pray in the name of Jesus.